Hi there, welcome to the Simon Tumier podcast. Now, it's not often that you get to meet your heroes, and today I'm very lucky to be chatting to Ian McCallman, without whom I wouldn't be in folk music today. It's a great chat as well. Now, if you enjoy these podcasts, please, I'd be appreciated if you could support my patron at patreon.com forward slash Simon Tumier. So, Ian, the McCallmans. Uh, an amazing legacy. When, when, how did you all meet? I mean, basically, uh, 1964 was the time I just left school. And uh, 1964, I was kind of got into the architecture, the School of Architecture in Edinburgh. I went along, it was divided into five different sections, five different studios arbitrary division of people and uh, I was sitting next to Hamish and Derek was two down from me in a studio of seven people and we we kind of got whistling tunes while we were given this menial task by the lecturers for our first day and got talking about it decided to meet up the next week and uh, then we got drunk one night and went along to the Waverley and we only knew one song. And we, uh, it was a bonding thing with the other students. So that we, were, we all went to the, the Waverley bar uh, and, and sung a song. And uh, the manager of the Waverley bar owner, um, uh, Ian Walker came up and said, uh, can we book you for a, a night, so we, we had a two hour session in a week with only uh, two songs. We had two songs at that time. So that was, I think, where music won and architecture was out of the window. Uh, I mean, we lasted in architecture for, then it lasted four years, I lasted three years. Um, uh, and really, we had no chance because we never turned up after that. We were always learning songs and and later on even when we we're supposed to be doing the stuff we were uh, we were touring england and on nights and, um so that's how it all began so was there uh, folk music in your family growing up uh, not really my mum and dad could both sing um so why have i got my voice <laughs> <laughs> my, uh, they, they could both sing and my father had collections of poetry and my mother had collections of books but it didn't go beyond that it was more a sort of um, the, 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 the poems my father collected uh, a sort of anthology of poems he had were, were quite um, quite varied and uh, and, and the songs I heard in those days were mainly sort of the Kennedy Fraser kind of things. Um, and then the television took over, you know, you watched Hoot and Annie. And I'll tell you what got me into it. Uh, one of the things, and my brothers, I have two brothers, older brothers, uh, was um, the Scotsman. Uh, they used to uh, print one of Norman Buchan's uh, songs that he found out i didn't know it was from the 101 scott songs collection but we used to pounce on that every saturday and, and kind of try and learn the songs and uh, the three of us would, would sing them 
So it's amazing how how these you know you 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 watch the Tonight program dun, 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 and you see Cliff Mitchellmore and, and it's Rory and Alex McEwen or something like that. And you say, God, that's interesting, you know. And later later on, you know, Nadia Katus and and then Robin Hall and Jimmy McGregor and then you know it all rolls up with the Beatles coming out and you all these. Mix into into a, a, I suppose a style that comes later on. Who nanny program on television? Fantastic. Uh, you know, saw all the, all the people that I was later to try to emulate, try to copy their songs, and and later meet. So what about uh, the the close harmony singing that you were so famous for? How did that? Come about? Did you sing in the house in close harmony? Uh, so when you came with the band, was it kind of easy? Well, like most Scots, I blame England uh, <laughs> uh, because it was uh, we we heard one day uh, "Frost and Fire" the Watersons, and uh, we we just flipped over that. We had other people we like we liked the Corries and. And uh, and yes, we did listen to the uh, festivals to the uh, the traditional uh, singers of the time. Um, so so we were involved in that, and we we were all ready meeting people that were interested in the tradition. But we listened to the Watersons and tried to do harmonies. Found that we all had a ear for harmonies. That it's not. It's not necessarily a sign of quality of the voice that you, you have an ear for music, but we did have an ear for it. And so we put some of their harmonies to one Waterson song, which was the name of the, the first album, All In One Mind, and that's a Pay Sagan song. And the other ones, um, we put the same harmonies to on the same album, uh, Farewell to Funerary, uh, and uh, um, one of uh, Hamish's, it's a bizarre album actually, um, uh, one of Hamish's uh, Swahili songs, uh, Kwaheri. Uh, and so we, we, we used the harmonies with that and then you would hear another group like the Corries, and you would just ape their harmonies. And gradually you would think, well, we could do different harmonies from the from the standard Corries ones for their songs. And the new songs, you had to invent new, new harmonies. And lest we forget, there was always the Beatles. And uh, I can hear a couple of really stolen Beatles harmonies in a lot of the early early albums of the McCallmans. So it's learning from other people. And uh, so how did you get a record contract? Um, that's No one's ever asked us that before. And, um, well, it's up to you to, to reckon whether it's an interesting... Uh, answer, but we reckon we had to get on with architecture because um, by the time uh, I think it was 60, 66 had uh, gone and passed and we'd gone to Denmark, we'd gone by boat and we had to hitch back, we spent all our money singing in the streets and no one kind of knew, us, knew about us then and, and we we tried to get into Tivoli, we couldn't do it, you know, we, we paid to get in and tried to get into the folk place for free and no, couldn't do that. Sung in bars, that was okay. Uh, we were good at bars, we've always been good at bars. <laughs> uh, 
And uh, so all that came about. And it was it was just uh, a good fun. And But we decided to screw the nut, give up folk music, and um, after the Danish thing, and then go into architecture fully. Uh, and Hamish had things to do as well. I said, we'll always be friends, blah, blah, um, which we always were. And so we saw an advert. I can't remember who saw it. It was another uh, singer. Uh, I think it was Bill Barclay who said he'd seen on the news that you could do an audition for Waverly Records, which the chorus had been on. Uh, Waverly Records, EMI, at Craig Hall Studios, just down the road from me. And you didn't have to pay for the studio. And I phoned them up and I said, can you get something to remind you of the audition? They said, you could buy an acetate. And I said to the guys, uh, that wouldn't it be great having a, a record in the all meanings of the word uh, of, of the band as we were. And uh, we all agreed and we did the audition. I remember Bill Barclay had done it and he said to us, uh, Pete Kerr, the producer, the guy that did it, said that uh, he doesn't know, he hadn't heard from them, but uh, Pete Kerr had said he'd got a great beefy sound to him, uh, to his music. And we thought, oh, that's that's good. Bill's a, Bill's a good lad. Uh, and um, we went down there and we did our audition. We did four songs. I've still got the acetate. I might release that on, on uh, something that we're talking about later. Um, but uh, we we went down, did the four songs, and Pete, Pete Kerr came up and said, oh, man, you know, you've got a good beefy sound behind you. And I thought, oh, <laughs> that literally was it, what I said at the beginning of the show. You tell that to all the boys. And so uh, we went away and uh, we basically broke up. And then I got a letter about a month later saying, you've passed your audition, we want you to do an album. And that wasn't like... 2021 that wasn't everyone's got their studio and we bring out albums you know when you fancy it that was there's only another two lots of folk singers in in scotland with albums so i i, I couldn't believe it and i got in touch with them and and that was the second time that architects got this way <laughs> and we uh, so we um we went along and and uh, we, we did the album in three hours, and we 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 reckoned it was it was okay, you know it was quite it was quite indicative of what we were doing at the time, and we just found the Watersons, we just found those harmonies in time, and um, and that and, and that that's how the album came about. And that's so amazing. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah. We actually gave up. <laughs> well, we're going to watch a video now of the original lineup. Is we were chatting before the show. There isn't very many videos, and I couldn't find no. any apart from oh. you, uh, Hamish Bain, and Derek Moffat playing together. And this is a song called "The Tailor." And I just have to say, Ian, uh, you always give yourself quite a hard rep about your singing, but me and all your other fans know how fabulous a singer you actually are. And you, yeah. <laughs> and you are taking the lead in this song. The tale of Maisie, a 
Excellent. Uh, I I was just saying to Ian there that I was a Hamish Bain clone as a youngster and I learnt the whistle and I was going to learn the mandolin before I started the concertina because I couldn't find but I couldn't find anyone to teach me the mandolin. That was do you remember filming that video, Ian? Um, I I don't remember filming it. Um uh, but I remember the red trousers. Uh, I I remember they they had a bit of braid on the bottom. It was it's very very kind of 60s, 70s, that. Uh, and I, I was amazed at that. I've never seen that before in my life. I'd love a copy of that. It's really, it, it's a revelation to me. Uh, it, well, it's just on YouTube. Yeah. Is it? Yes. Oh, right. Oh, well, I never look up YouTube for the McCalmans. <laughs> well, you're not going to find very much anyway, so... <laughs> Right. No, not in those days. There's so, a, lot of the, the, a lot of the later group, but, but not of those days. So anyway, you have been doing a great project uh, recently and you've been digitising the whole of the McCalman's back catalogue and putting them on Bandcamp. In fact, I've got a link for it, actually. There we go. Everyone oh, should visit this, but mcalmonds.bandcamp.com. And there's, I think there's six albums up so far. Six albums so far, uh, and it's it's just a great great fun. Uh, my wife can back me up in this. Um, playing McCalmonds albums and music in the house is banned. We're not allowed to. We we just don't do it. Uh, and it's got a bit easier since I, reti- I retired, but I had so much of it when I was actually in the Max and before I retired that uh, I wanted kind of away from it, you know, rehearse and stuff like that. But actually listening to things going by, you always hear the mistakes that you make and, the, and you would have done things better. But now I'm listening to these things and... Uh, you, you rightfully say that I, I knock myself a lot, got a lot of material, but uh, I, I, I think some of them are, are, are pretty good, you know. Uh, I, you, you know, I can I can now see, appreciate uh, why we we kind of got where we were, uh, because up to then uh, I was very uncertain about the the whole thing. I was I was. I always thought we were we were going to be found out every two months. I reckon we were going to be found out for the frauds. We oh, were. Ian, you're terrible, man! <laughs> yeah, These but, are... but I'm saying they are they are good. I mean, it starts getting. I think it starts getting good. All in one mind is the first one, and and that that I've, I've talked about. But I swear they put on reverb afterwards because. Uh, we heard briefly the the, um, the the acetate or whatever they do, and uh, it sounded pretty good. And then 
then we got it back and the first two albums are just swimming in reverb and it would it would didn't didn't work out but um they're still good and you can hear that that we've got a bit to go we don't have the discipline and in the voice and stuff like that but there's still a couple of good songs in there, and a couple of different songs unaccompanied songs the, the planes of waterloo <coughs> excuse me planes of waterloo and uh, songs like that so we were we were definitely trying different things there's a blues on it which i felt like committing suicide a year later and even more so now because I sung that blues and I'm so sorry for the whole <laughs> band of of that genre of music which I love and I destroyed it. I just destroyed it. It was terrible. Um in this in this in this Scottish voice, you know, it's it's true. Cocaine all around my brain. God, I hardly knew what a pint of heavy was while it's cocaine. Well, uh, so, Peter Gilmore and Brotty Ferry is saying he still has his copy of the All in One Mind album. And uh, David Crawford is actually asking a question. He says he still has he has a signed copy of Bonnie Bands again, and he's wondering. Because Derek signed his album with a quick sketch of a frog. Do you know why that would be? Uh, yes. Um, it's because he was Derek Muffet. And he was, <laughs> he was a herpetologist, uh, uh, self-confessed and self-trained. But he was incredibly knowledgeable about all uh, sort of insects, frogs, toads, beetles, everything. Um, and wildlife generally, um, he, he, you know, uh, he, he, was, he was great. He said, uh, I'll tell you uh, how much he knew about frogs. He was asked a question about, I don't know, about 15, 20 years ago. I remember it because uh, I was there at the time. And someone said, you know about frogs. What is the biggest frog in the world? And Derek said, the biggest frog, we knew that he knew what the biggest frog that had been discovered was. And um, he said, the biggest frog is yet to be discovered, if not found it yet. And the person thought it was a cop-out. And it was typical Derek that he was accurate in it. And about five years ago, I was watching a news programme and uh, there was uh, one of these end of news uh, articles that says, and we've just heard that the, the biggest frog has thought to be blah, 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 but it is actually just been discovered that such and such is bigger. And I, I looked at the television and said, I told you so. <laughs> I heard Derek told you. <laughs> well, we're going to... Uh, so we're going to watch. Uh, we're going to watch a song of Derek singing "I Have Seen the Highlands." Now I know you're a massive fan of Derek's singing. Um, tell me about his singing. It's natural. It, it was as simple as that. And and when we met that first time, um, Derek was the only one that had actually sung in front of people. Uh, he'd done the uh, the elbow rooms at uh, Dyser. Very much a desert man. Don't call him from Kirkcaldy. It's a desert man, um, and he, he did the um, the elbow rooms uh, as a, a guest singer uh, quite a few times. His idol was Alex Campbell, 
Uh, and so Derek had that natural voice and it didn't change from day one uh, to the to the end. And so uh, that was a rock. I always, I always, I said after it, uh, it passed on that uh, I, I spent, you know, 35 years looking across the stage at Derek and he was the he was the pillar uh, of the band you know he, he was always there and he had such a range in his voice he did high harmonies brilliantly uh, and so I, I locked into that with harmonies you don't sing in concert all the time you lock into each 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 uh, person singing so you might go down a little bit or up a bit and if you're on your tatty you'll stay on concert pitch but that's I locked into Derek and uh, I suppose that's the, the story of my uh, the days with the first and second um, lineup of the Commons. I locked into Derek. Well, let's have a listen to him singing "I Have Seen the Highlands." I was born and raised in Glasgow in the Gallagher tenement. And when people spoke of my bonny land, I didn't know what they meant. But then I took to travel, I made far and wide. And now when I speak of my native land, I speak with love and pride. For I have seen the highlands, I have seen the low. And east the days gone by To walk to all of her wondrous work She thought she'd have a try She toiled and she thundered She rumbled and she roared She made the highlands of Scotland And she threw away the bold Fantastic stuff. Yeah. So that um, that was obviously the McCalmans two. If we could call them that yeah. with Nick here. Uh, you know, Nick, uh, brilliant musician in his own way. I mean, it, it, it was, uh, he was people. People don't know that he was in the the band for uh, something like twenty six years or something like. I mean, a phenomenal number of years. You know, uh, Hamish was in the band for 18 years, trying to work out the maths here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, Nick joined in, in 1982. Uh, so, you know, a, a, a long time. Well, a long time. But, I mean, you did so much as a band as well. Uh, was there, there was TV, lots of TV series, is that correct? Was there more than one? Well, lots of TV series. Um, there were six television series in all and I, I think that 
the ones at the beginning were, were great because they, we followed the football on a Saturday night. I mean, you can imagine what what uh, programmes follow the football on a Saturday night nowadays. They're always the top programmes. And we weren't the top programme. It's just they thought, oh, we'll bung them on after the football. So everyone seemed to see us because... And they figured that later on, you know, and put all their biggest shows in around about that slot. But, uh, yeah, and, and uh, we did a few for uh, uh, the BBC, a few for Grampian, uh, with a great guy, uh, producer Alan Frankie. And uh, sadly missed that man. And uh, that went to STV. So um, did a lot of these, a lot of radio programmes as well, network radio and uh, a lot of television in, in Denmark and Germany uh, and beyond Australia. I mean, I was amazed looking at your discography. I mean, really, for your whole career, you made nearly an album every year. That is some output. That's a sign of a band that, uh, that works a lot. <laughs> it's not a sign of uh, you, you, need, you need to bring out an album every year. Uh, but we, I was I was nuts on getting material. I was, I really wanted new material all the time, and uh, and we and we used to we, we used to do that. We put in some standards and and maybe one new ones that we'd sung the last time in a club. But we'd always have people always knew they were going to get new songs. So, and they would buy albums. Uh, we would we we had good sales in albums at, at gigs. Uh, and I feel sorry for the musicians for that score as well in modern days. It's it's more difficult to do that. Um, but we used to sell lots of albums. So we we brought well, about a year and a half. Every year and a half, we'd we'd bring we'd need to bring a, an album because we'd have the new songs to do it. And we, people asked for these songs. We knew they would ask for these songs. So that's that's the reason. Yeah, 26 albums all told of of new ones. That's not counting the uh, the, the live ones that had old uh, material. There was only one that had a live one that had all old material, uh, and we had on the front cover. Don't buy this if you've got the albums. Uh, so you know the the, the live ones were uh, um, necessary as well because people wanted that that side of the columns. So, I mean, the, your live albums are... I love your live albums, and I think... Uh, I don't. I, I think, uh, you know, obviously, I think one of the things, that the, apart from the singing, that people came to see McCalmans, they also came to see you because you were, I mean, hilarious. Well, <laughs> I, I think drunk's the word you're saying. Not at all, no. You were so funny. No, I wasn't. No, I, I, I wasn't. I, I think it was, I look at all these intros and I look at the way I talk now and it's exactly the same, not not here, but in conversations and things. And, and it's it's fairly surreal. And my mind goes in curious ways. So I would I would say I must do normal introductions tonight. I mean, and then I'd go off at a tangent and then create a story. Uh, and it was mainly to me, amuse me. It wasn't to amuse <laughs> The audience. So the, the stories would take different forms, and then the stories would have a character of them all. We get requested for intros, 
And in some cases, could you do the intro but not a song? We don't want the song. <laughs> so it, it it became uh, it became something I had to to deal with, and I had to actively uh, kind of think up what I could tell on stage. You know, sort of topics that I could expand on uh, on stage going into another tour because that was like the songs. Well, I, I wanted to it to be fresh for for every every time we went to a place because we were, we, we did the same places quite often when the milk rounds, you know. Well I know I spent a lot of time in tears listening to you talk actually and as did the rest yeah, of the audience. <laughs> I've actually uh, got an MP3 clip here of you and the guys singing live. Um, it's just the middle song. It's a set of sea shanties. Do you remember what live album this was on? Um, yeah, because it's the one I'm working on at the moment to um, to bring out on uh, Bandcamp. I'm going going over them all with a, you know, just spending my lockdown time taking clicks out of Ian McCarman's voice. Um, it's on uh, House Full, I think, uh, which was uh, recorded in the Phoenix Theatre in Leicester in 1975, 6, 1976, something, something like that. Uh, but it's it's it, it, it's not a bad album, you know, and and I, I just get embarrassed by my intros uh, and uh, my persona. I am not the I am not the man that people see on stage. <laughs> well, I think listening to this MP3 of just the one song, you get to hear how close because this is the original lineup. How brilliant you are live and how good you are at harmonies. Let's have a listen to this. Yes, the Kiba River is a cleaner river, so Ronnie's had a now is somebody oh. Yes, the Kiba River is a cleaner river, so Ronnie's had a now is somebody oh. Fantastic. <laughs> yeah, I had a lucky night that night. I don't know what that's from. Is that from an album? It is. I found it on YouTube, but I had that album, actually. Um, we we probably still have it. So anyway, Ian, I, the McCalmans finished up in 2010, but you have never stopped since then. You've been doing loads of interesting things um yeah one of the really big projects you took on was the far far from ypres project tell us about that yeah well we uh, i'd better say first of all that we, we had 10 years with uh, stephen quigg in the band which was was great and it's great that he he came in uh, far far from ypres now, that actually was an album that was uh conceived by um ian green of green tracks and uh 
he he got uh, together with the, some people that did the the tours uh, of the battlefields, and uh, I, I produced a lot of the just about all the live stuff for the, for that album. It was a double album, uh, and it was called Far Far From Ypres, or Ypres, um, and I, I think a, a good job was done in it. But it was done about. I can't remember the date, 2010, something like that. And um, it, it went on, uh, we, we, we didn't think of 2014, 1418 as being the, the centenary of the, the First World War. So it was 2009, 2010, we did that album and I got people in and uh, we, we got through all the, the trench songs and all that. And afterwards, I, I had this thought, it was one of the Green Tracks kind of anniversary concerts at the Queen's Hall, and I thought I might I might try and have a, a little bit of theatre going on with it. Uh, and got a few of the few of the guys that had helped me with the album. And uh, it, it, Pete, uh, I, Pete, uh, Pete Haywood, uh, Pete Haywood put uh, photographs on the back screen, uh, projected photographs there. Uh, and that was a, a great idea from, from Pete. I didn't think of that. That was uh, uh, Pete Haywood. Uh, and then I thought, wouldn't the story be good? And I remember, uh, this, this says a lot for Celtic Connections. I remember getting in touch with... Uh, Celtic Connections and um, and saying I've written this script for the uh, I've got a script and I've not asked people to be on it yet and it was in November and so it was for the next again year uh, and it, you know I, I got a thing back saying oh we've we've, we've seen this and uh it's got to be this. We've got to do it right away. <laughs> so, so I, I was on the phone for a week, non-stop, getting people along and, uh, you know, getting it all sorted out. Uh, and and uh, we we did the Strass, Strass Clyde Suite or, or something like that. And it, it was it was sold out. It's a small venue within the concert hall. Uh, but Donald Shaw, that's the man. He he got he he did it all. He he heard those tapes. He heard the he saw the script, heard the idea, and said, "We've got to do it uh, this year." So this year being the in three months' time, they'd already started advertising the acts on Celtic Connections, and uh, I hadn't written the. Uh, and sort of written it, but I hadn't got all the songs, harmonies, and everything. So there was a, 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 you know, we all got together and started doing it, and had a, the idea of the arc round and people on stage and people coming from the arc into the middle. And we employed uh, uh, Pete Haywood's brilliant idea. Um, no one was employed because no one made. Any money, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, it was an integral part of the show, the the back pro projection, and um, so Donald Shaw uh, saw what that 
was about maybe before even I did, even though I, I wrote the the things that locked it all together about this this man called Jimmy and his his journey to the to the front and back again. So that's the way that started, and then we we filled the concert hall later than that later, filled the usher hall, and uh, very proudly we 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 got the um, the best events and the trads awards uh, with it uh, after that, and so it was a it was a great journey and great people to be on the journey with. You know, we played it in France as well, and we played all over and. Uh, it was just just a magic show, and we we uh, we miss it. Uh, and for that reason, I did another one, the, the singing sixties, so that we could all get together again, plus some extras, and uh, have have bottles of wine. And Ian Anderson, Ian Anderson had a bottle of wine in his table every night for the for the for the, uh, the run of the uh, far far from Ypres. And I tell you, no one but Ian Anderson, uh, my wife and me, got to get into that way. <laughs> it magically disappeared. <laughs> well, um, Ian, we are um, we are kind of running out of time here, so I just wanted to uh, quickly. We're going to play a wee video of Dick Gawkin. And uh, Dick, uh, you've just recently remastered the Harvard tape from Brian O'Donovan, who sent them an American uh, radio producer, and he sent them to you, and you made this album from a 1980 performance of Dick. Yeah, I, I did. It was it, it, Celtic Connections again. Um, friend Ken McNaughton, most people will know him, uh, Diggy McKenzie. Uh, well, they they got this. They'd been, I think it was Ken that was talking to uh, Brian at, uh, at Celtic Connections, and he said he had the tapes and he sent them over, and they found their way to my desk, and I mastered them because Sticks are a great friend of mine, and I don't say that lightly. He's one of my best friends and always has been for 50 years, and I see him all the time, and he's doing. He's doing fine. Uh, I wish he'd get out more, but he's doing fine. Uh, and uh, I keep in touch with him uh, all the time. But what an album that is. It was Dick after a really hard tour. And in the scene, we all know that in the last gig, you're either great or you're rubbish. And Dick was great. And I, I'm getting credit for a good mastering job, but the tapes I got, you can't make a good print out of a bad negative. And the, the tapes I got were were good, uh, better than, than a lot that came along at that time. Uh, and Dick was just on top form. Well, let's watch Dick singing from around the same time. This is a BBC production that I found on YouTube. George's Hill A ragged bandy called the Diggers Came to show the people's will They defied the landlords They defied the laws They were the dispossessed Reclaiming what was theirs We come in peace, they said To dig and sow We come to work for lands in common 
And to make the wasteland grow, this earth divided, we will make whole. So it can be a common treasury for all. Listen up. It's brilliant, isn't it? Uh, old Dick Gawkin. And uh, as I say, Dick, Dick's, doing, Dick's doing fine. Uh, but uh, he, he, he won't be... It won't be doing gigs like that for a for a while. You know. Well, fingers crossed. We see him back at some point because he Absolutely. is much Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Ian, thank you very much for coming on the afternoon show today. I've I've really really enjoyed it. Yeah. So have I. Uh, it's been it's, it's been great. Half an hour of shooting myself down. <laughs> Well, I mean, I really, I mean, I said it at the start, but I can't thank you that you're the, I know you've just re-released Smuggler on your Bandcamp page. And that was the album that did it for me. It's almost instant when you, what your mum and dad having a record collection and they had Smuggler and they had Jimmy Shand and we danced around our living room to Smuggler. Uh, and, I, and then I heard a concertina on it and, and which has been a love affair for me ever since then, and that must have been oh, about brilliant. 1980. That's, so thank that's, you. I mean, that's that's great. I mean, it's it's uh, there are two ways to look at that. I'm so pleased, and and you know, someone else finding uh, music, and to people that have heard you, don't blame me. <laughs> well, I think uh, I think. Uh, you, I'm sure you really do understand that you do know what you brought to the folk scene. I don't think we'd be anything without you. Uh, I think you, your song collections, your humour, your what you're doing nowadays. I think we, it is really, really appreciated. Well, thanks very much for that. I mean, it's 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 really nice of you to say. Uh, 